Last uh, weekend, I had a dream that was very impacting for to me. I had a sense that our time of formation and growth as a community had finished, that time was up, that Lourdes was saying goodbye. It wasn't clear to me what was happening. It, perhaps she was just going to the Lord, to heaven. It was like a time of ending, you know, it's like when you finish and you graduate from high school and everybody just finishes and it's done. And uh, I felt a great sorrow, I guess something similar to what I will experience on Judgment Day, looking back and uh, pondering what have I done with my time. And um, in this light, I wanted to share with you, hoping that it could also be a benefit to, to all because indeed time is passing. Our lives are going by. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you about the, the last four things, which is death and judgment, heaven and hell. And I share with you how one of the effects of original sin is that we're numbed uh, to the reality of the preciousness of time and life and and our importance of deciding the decisions that we have to make for God to use our life well and to also face decisively the weaknesses and the wounds that are keeping us in incomplete. We have uh, this time to allow God to lift us up, to build us, to transform us into the fullness of the men that we are meant to be. How many times we heard in the community that we there is a man that we have become, but there is also what God meant us to be. And we still have time, but it's passing. To become, by grace of God and our cooperation, the fullness of the man that God wants us to be and not what we have become. There's a... Um, a difference, and sometimes in things could be a big difference uh, due to our brokenness, wounds, sin, and all this is kept in oppression of our being by pride. How hard it is to see the depth of our hearts and and just uh, repent and allow God to help us. So I pondered through this this dream of Lourdes uh, telling us goodbye and uh, this time, this, this era being finished. Um, I pondered on the amazing gift that we have received through her dedication to the Lord. I hope I don't have to wait to give a eulogy to really see this clearly and act on it now. Um, the fact is that throughout history, the Lord has raised men and women and bestowed upon them a gift 
to guide others to bring forth a new understanding of his heart, a new understanding of his teaching, and to make true the desire of Christ. I came to bring fire upon the earth and how I desire that it'll be that it be ablaze. And uh, when we see the condition of the world, I at least can be easily tempted to think, well, I love Jesus. I want to respond. And this is not the good way of looking at it. Because if I compare myself to darkness, I may see something more of light. But if I look at the amazing light that God is offering me, then things are different. Uh, I, I think it's important when we are going to make decisions, even in everyday life, not to settle by saying, well, there's nothing wrong with this, but rather to ask the Lord, is this the best, Lord, that I could do for you? Is this what you want for me right now? And it could be an ordinary thing, a way of uh, talking to somebody, a it's sure that I'm being avoiding. Uh, so I'm not talking about uh, grandiose things, uh, but is this the best you want me to do right now, Lord? Instead of saying, well, there's nothing wrong with this. So the same, the same, the Lord is, came to bring fire upon the earth. Lord, is this fire uh, ablaze in my heart? And I think that the Lord sends men and women with a special grace of being like the prophets for for the times they are living and for the future uh, to guide people into this holiness i'm thinking about all the great founders you know francis saint faustina who in their time they were not as much as appre appreciated as later I mean, how many Carmelites would love right now to be able to talk to St. Teresa of Avila or even St. Teresa of Lisieux? How many Franciscans would, or how many Christians would love to be able to have just a moment of conversation with St. Francis to really meet him and St. Faustina? Uh, they, yet St. Faustina was largely unknown and or valued in her own lifetime. And uh, then later on they go, oh, St. Faustina, oh, St. Francis, you know, all these great men and women. And I, I'm seeing this, um, the Lord has given us this gift of being alive during the time of our founders of Lourdes and all that God is teaching us. And I see myself having not um, been able to allow God to do the fullness of what he wants. So Lourdes, like Conchita, I see her constantly attentive to the Lord. It's amazing. And then, after being attentive and, and listening, 
she goes to do her homework. And her homework is to apply what she has learned, what God has taught her, the, the, the grace that God has put into her heart. And we hear her constantly saying this, how she needs to practice with her husband, with her children, uh, and learning to exercise in the daily life by humbling herself and uh, and receiving the um, the thorns receiving the piercings and giving love and giving tenderness and how she constantly fails she tells us doing this and that she repents and she goes back and she gets up again to again learn in the everyday practice how to receive the brokenness, the piercings, and give love and tenderness of Christ. And also in that, in that experience of dealing with those around her, uh, she discovers her own garbage. That's what she tells us, right? And uh, the ability to be attentive to that. Why did I respond that way? In the course of the time that I have met her, I cannot tell you how many times she has asked me forgiveness because a response that she gave that I didn't even think it was so important, but she felt it was because it was teaching her about her pride, her imperfections, and, and then uh, she would repent and seek to change. So like Conchita, you know, she's constantly attentive to the Lord, doing the homework to respond to what she has received in prayer. So prayer is not, oh, you know, it's just a devotion. You know, I feel good because I, I prayed this and I did this novena or this and that. It's a time mainly of listening, of surrendering to the Lord who will give us a homework, meaning uh, say, okay, I want you now to practice this in your daily life. <laughs> and uh, this is how God interacts. Is you know, we just a prayer, you know, I love you, Jesus. And then he says, well, thank you for loving me so much. And I now invite you to love me in this person particularly that it's hard for you to love. You know, this is the kind of interaction that that she's living and teaching us. And um, we see that her having a large family and now being loaded with grandchildren, great uh, grandchildren, babysitting them, taking care of her house, her husband, the children. Being in her house is like being in Grand Central Station. Plus, all the time accompanying uh, not only people from the community, but a lot of priests. I was just there in Miami in the weekend. In the morning, she I don't know how many priests she, she was uh, accompanying through the internet. And every, uh, after everyone, 
she seems like she has given so much that she gets exhausted, that she gives herself so completely. So having this, this large family, instead of being a distraction for her, is actually the opportunity for applying what the Lord tells her in prayer and learning even more than having applied what the Lord taught her. So the Lord teaches her, but that that formation is still incomplete. Then she has to go and seek to put it into practice. And by putting it into practice and discovering the reactions of people and her own reactions, in that interaction, the Lord also speaks. So then her life is a prayer. Not only the time for in, in prayer directly with the Lord, but those interactions because they are fulfilling the will of God. You know, even the little things with the grandchildren. Uh, she has given us examples that uh, how she was not attentive and so on. Um, and the Lord is always teaching through the daily ordinary things. So it's not just saying, okay, I'm going to do the ordinary things and that's a way to holiness. Yes, but it's more of a, a way to holiness if I'm learning from it by allowing the Lord to reveal my woundedness, my attitudes in the process. And that is a, a tremendous grace. Otherwise, we get, like, like Father Ron says, stuck in the elevator. You know, years go by and we're the same old man that the same attitude, the same character, and we pray and we do our jobs and whatever, but unless we allow what the Lord has taught us to come in action in the ordinary life and convict us of our limitations and our brokenness and our sin, then very little growth happens. So she's showing us with her life that we're being called to a vocation. It's this vocation that we live every day in the daily events of our history, but that it grows into, it's ordinary, but it grows into extraordinary love because God is pouring it into our hearts and making us one with him. So it is Christ in me gazing to the children, gazing to, to others. And um, as she has told us many times, and I truly believe it's from God, obviously it's from God because it's in the gospel, especially those we, we find hard to love. And so it is our job to, to, to discover who in my territory of souls, the ones that I need to interact with, I find difficult to love, difficult to look at in the eyes with kindness, with tenderness. And I can have excuses complaining about how the other person is, but the Lord wants to reveal to me how I am. 
and how he wants me to change, to be able to love those who I find unloving. Remember that in the gospel, it says, to love those who love you, there's no merit in that. Even the pagans do that. But to love your enemies, to love those who, it's just hard for you to love. In, in this retreat um, that I just went through, I was appalled. Several people told me that they were experiencing such a discomfort uh, towards certain people in their lives that was just almost taking over their lives is this re repulsion to to some persons. Well, that's something to work to go to the Lord and beg Him, Lord, I need healing, and um, and start allowing the Lord to to transform us. So see. So this is this is the 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 work the work of the path in practice, and maybe there are people who you really are fond of. Okay, that's another category, I guess, that you're really fond of, but you don't particularly like. So you kind of bear with them, you live, but there is very little love in expressed or received. So I have been now close to Lourdes for many years. And I believed from the beginning that she was God's instrument. But I have been slow to realize the magnitude of the gift that she is in in her mission in her vocation for those that she is called to to raise up or god through her and i see now that it's because i was simply incapable of receiving it all at once i am blind and wounded and i didn't even know it I don't know how to explain that very well, but um, after I went through the experience of the life in the spirit and being baptized in the spirit, I experienced such a power of God and such a healing and such a love of God and the charisms that really my enthusiasm uh, was to say, okay, now, Lord, now we're going to do it. We're going to go there and gain the world for you. And I, I look back now and I realized that I thought, I'm going to do such great things as a priest. I'm going to bring so many people to the Lord. But in the process, I felt like, this other guys, you know, they're just not doing the job. This other priests, they're slacking off. They don't have the, the spirit, you know. And I, I can see now the enemy working in that way for me to sort of write them off. And um, through the years of being a priest, which, by the way, they went by so fast 
because uh, at, at the beginning I was thinking, well, you know, when I become a pastor, then things are going to change. Then I'll be able to do something big. Then, uh, you know, things are going to turn around. And then I became a pastor and then uh, things don't turn around so easily because you have to still deal with with others. And then I thought, well, if I ever get other associates that are more awake and whatever, and and um, always being caught up, you know, if, if the other people were better, if the other people were awake and, and, uh, and that could turn into some real pride without realizing it and uh, not being attentive to the immense work that God still had to do in me, which is really the most important because I can't change anybody else, but I can change I can allow God to change me. And so what the path has done for me, it came slow because I thought, you know, I, I'm a good priest. I got the charisms. I, I'm doing a good job. And sure, I was doing a lot of good things, but it took me a while to really understand what the Lord was doing through Lourdes uh, in a deeper way. At first I got it, you know, like the tip of the iceberg, I, you know, the the idea, you know, yes, you know, suffer all with Jesus and uh, no longer two, but one in his sacrifice of love. I agree with that. I'm willing to suffer it all with Jesus. But the other part of entering into deep accompaniment and listening to the way that I really am, that I'm not aware of. I think that's hard for me, and I suspect that that's hard for all of us, especially the men. So, so I've been slow to realize the magnitude of the gift, and I see now that I am simply incapable of receiving it all at once, that I'm blind and wounded, and that I need redemption. You see, it, it's not just about me now being baptized in the spirit and conquering the world for Jesus. The Lord already saved the world. My focus needs to be in allowing him to save me and transform me. And that's the hardest and the most important. I need redemption. You need redemption. We all need redemption. So actually the process of the path is a, is a process of cooperating with the painful task of allowing the Lord to do deep surgery into our souls to touch wounds that we don't want touched and to really change in the depth of our being, not because we are able to do it, right off but because we are yielding and in the process of, and really choosing to do so so it's really a, a work it's a miracle it's a work of redemption and i need to humbly learn from her by listening and also from my brothers we need to learn from one another we need to to be for one another and also we need accompaniment and i cannot undervalue this or overestimate the value of this 
um, remember that accompaniment is the responsibility of the each person. The accompanier needs not to be going after people to get accompanied. It's it's I need I need redemption. I need self knowledge, and I'm not gonna get it on my own. And uh, so it's a good question to ask. When was the last time I went to confession? I had to ask myself because it had been, I let it slip and I was two months and I just went to confession and over the weekend so that I could come and speak to you today. And uh, also accompaniment. Um, it's easy to, you know, go into passive resistance and, and not do it. But it's amazing the gift of God when we're humble and when we do it, even if it's a pain, it's a blessed pain to do it. And I thank God for that. Uh, it's a, one of the fun, uh, pillars of community life is to, to live the sacramental life in the fullest and, and also to to have accompaniment and to be able to speak to each other what we see in the truth with love. So the path is a process by which Christ applies redemption to us. He wants to do it, but we're really blocking him if we're not able to or willing to listen to him through our brothers. And often it can happen also through, like Lourdes has taught us so many times, through the difficult encounters, difficult relationships. We learn a lot from to our, about ourselves. So this path that applies redemption to us is a process of healing, transforming, enlightening, and giving life. It's a process of unleashing or freeing the graces of the sacraments which we have received but that have remained bound due to wounds and lies. You know that uh, sacraments can remain bound because of sin and we need to humbly acknowledge this so that the graces of the sacraments can have a powerful effect on us. So the call to follow Jesus is radical. And by that I mean that it goes to the root of our existence to profoundly change us by participating in his divinity. And as we ponder Jesus being born in a stable, living in Nazareth for 30 years. We saw today in the Luminous Mysteries, uh, going down into the waters of sin in the Jordan and so on. This is radical. God doing this so that we'd be not afraid to do the same. And he can profoundly go to the root of our existence and and and, and divinize us. So like Saint Irenaeo said, God became man so that men can become God or meaning participate in God. So the path is not just acquiring some 
helpful insights. It's not just some good advice. It's not just some good methodology for spirituality. It's much more than that. It is the incorporation into our lives of the life of Christ to continue the transformation to the fullness that God wants to do to the radical, to the root of our being. In um, St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 2.9, he says, what I, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived. That's what God has prepared for those who love him. Now notice that often this passage is confused to, to be that St. Paul's talking about heaven. Of course, it applies to heaven as well, but he's talking about earth. Very clear. He says, God has prepared for those who love him. And in the context, it's clear that the Lord is saying on in this earth, before we pass to the life of heaven, he has prepared for us what no eye have seen, ear heard, or men even conceived. So, Am I getting there? Am I seeing more and more what no eye has seen or ear heard? Or am I just trying to be a good man, a good person, avoiding sin? Uh, this, is, this is what Paul is challenging us. So more and more, I also realize how intense is this goal. And time alone will not help me grow. It's not well with time. Time is not going to do it if I don't respond and enter the process. And so I need to engage into battle to allow the Lord to bring to light all the wounds and the lies hidden in me. We have heard so many times, often that's doing what is most difficult. Find out what is keeping me from being whom God wants me to be. And this requires listening, humbly doing the homework. Now, how many times Lourdes has told us, okay, I have this homework for you guys. And what, whatever happens, honestly. And she goes again, she knows the path practically by heart. And she keeps on telling us this part of the path and this other part. And we can... At least I think I can fall into this kind of a set. Yeah, you know, I heard it before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, we cannot do it all, but, you know, step by step. So I think an important part of this, I, it requires to listen to others and to be willing to um, be attentive to what others are suffering and accompaniment. Uh, Jesus teaches us that we need to respond to what he has given us or that we're going to lose it. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Use it or lose it. 
and Luke 29, 26, I tell you that to anyone who has, more will be given. But for those, for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. So if we are growing in virtue and seeking the, the path, we'll get more. Otherwise, we'll lose even what we think we got. And in Matthew 21, 43, therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. So being a missionary of the cross is not just something we do. It is who we are. That means that it is a way of discipleship of Christ that brings everything in our lives to be new in him. Everything in our lives has to be permeated by the word, by the presence of Christ to be brought into this light. When I now listen to Lourdes' old teachings, I realize that at first I only got the tip of the iceberg, the surface. And while I now understand more, I also realize that there's much more that I still do not get. And so I need to keep praying and practicing and listening, taking it seriously so that I do. Have you noticed how she often says, you have this homework? That means that after having heard the teaching, the work has only begun. Homework keeps us attentive and reviewing the teaching. It doesn't have to be literal or technical, have to do this and this and this and that, but to really embrace it. Then we need to take concrete steps to practice it and, and apply it. What I see in, in the scriptures is the same thing happening with the apostles. They went through this process. They left everything to follow Jesus. They were real good men. They thought they loved Jesus for real, but their love was still very far from Jesus. They remained stuck in their mindset like I have. They failed to see who Jesus is in the depth of the power of transformation and so they projected into Jesus what they thought was normal according to their culture their human expectations the radical leap was not possible for them yet they were just men of their times with their brokenness so they too needed the process of redemption they also have to go through a path and a very painful one at that. They could not understand Christ until all their expectations were dashed. Christ is the new wine that cannot be placed into the old wineskins. We can't put Christ, we cannot put this discipleship we're being called to into the old man that we were it doesn't fit it will burst it so 
on the way over from Miami driving, I listened to her last two talks. Remember the one in February 13 was about loving with Christ restores manhood and womanhood. And then she talked about the preparation for Lent and gazing upon the Lord uh, station, one station and just pondering just one station until we go deep into it. And uh, she asked us, what is pure love? And she gave us that and challenged us, challenged us to, to, to pray and think, what is pure love? That was her last talk. But actually, she had already talked about that in her previous talk. And uh, she said, pure love is Christ who receives the brokenness of the bride to heal and restore her, who receives her wounds and bears them in his own body. He enters into our hearts to receive and suffer our garbage. He's the new Adam that comes to restore us in himself, that we be one with him, new Adams. And this is real, this is redemption, this is good news. And she told us in these two teachings, we had lost the capacity to protect the garden and the spouse, like Adam was lacking as well. Even before the fall, he was lacking the attentiveness, the protection of the garden and the spouse. He lost the gaze of attentiveness to the heart of the bride. And so Jesus comes to restore us so that we are the bronze wall, so that we are like him, attentive to the bride. But we too must be willing to receive the brokenness in our manly hearts and give tenderness. And she said, this is manhood restored. So Jesus receives my wounds, my sin, my oppression, and I receive the sin and the wounds and oppressions of my brothers and sisters, and I give tenderness, love, mercy, even to those who keep hurting us. And in this exchange, we discover our own brokenness and we enter into self-knowledge. Lord, I can't receive this garbage. I can't receive this brokenness. That's self-knowledge. Then I need help. And we persevere as we are being restored. But she said the key is to enter into our hearts and see the truth and turn to the Lord into his gaze until we are formed. So I think that's enough for tonight. Um, you can listen directly to her talks. The, the, those last two talks are in Spanish and English in our website. 